Jimmy Lake is out as head coach of the University of Washington Huskies after a just uh, what you know terrible 13 game run, which he went above 500. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that, and I mean that's only one thing, but we're going to talk a lot about it and more on this week's eligible receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver, offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So, we will start it off. Let's rip through some games here. Uh, first one was... Oh, hell, I don't know. This wasn't right, but let's do Utah and Arizona first. That was the first game of the day. Sure. And let me tell you what, this was a football game. Yeah. Uh, you and I were both before this game. We were like, numbers too big. Arizona's been playing people tough. Uh, Utah, you know, there. You, you know, going into the game, Utah's going to meet uh, stiffer resistance than they found against Stanford going against this one and eight Arizona team. Uh, and Arizona was in the game. They got it to I want to say twenty nine to thirty in the second half. They had like a little flurry, uh, but missed a two point conversion. Uh, they had like a block pump for a touchdown rather, uh, and like, you know, like bang, bang. And then, uh, Utah, you know, had enough at the end of the day to get the win 38 to 29, but Arizona covers. And I'd say positive result for the Wildcats. That that's the probably presumptive, uh, Pac-12 South champs there. Yeah. Arizona got their win, right? They got their win for the year. They're good. They're not, yep. they're never going to beat Utah, but they covered, you know, so they're, they're alumni who are inclined to you know, put a, a ducat down, you know, on their team, got to take two ducats home. So, you know, or, or like one and a quarter ducat or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, you can't argue. I mean, not. I mean, it wasn't a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but, and I think if you're Utah, you're, you probably just say, well, we assumed we were going to win and we won. And, you know, we got our beat down game in the week prior. So all's well in the world and let's move on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Let's go next to uh, UCLA, uh, who hosted the Buffaloes of Colorado. And this was a, a very stark tale of two halves here. Colorado went into halftime up 20 to 10. They were done scoring for the day. UCLA was not. 24 to 0 in the second half for Chip Kelly. Uh, they get to bowl eligibility and a uh, resounding win for them. What was the score in this? 44 to 20? Yeah, so they, well, didn't UCLA have 20 then at the at halftime? Why can't I? No, excuse me. They scored 34 in the okay, second Okay, I was going to say, I was just trying there to do the math, and I'm like, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're <laughs> oh, right. You're so, right. They, so they were, Yeah. That's fascinating. Cause I, yeah, you look at the, the score line. I did not see much of this game, and you just kind of assume UCLA had their way, but that they truly went into halftime down 10. And then they went into halftime down 10 against Carl Durrell, a little revenge game. And then came up with a seven touchdown second half. <laughs> like, yeah, that's gotta be every drive. Yeah. Let's, I mean, I would let's check it out. Every drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like how many drives do you even get in a half? Like usually not that many. Yeah. They just had a five, five touchdowns, right? Right. Cause they're getting a uh, seven point, points. You're right. Per. You're right. Yeah, math, uh, math, five. Math. Yeah, mine either. 
Yeah, I mean they just they just every time they had the ball in the second half. It's not touchdowns. Not bad. That's how you want to coach them up. Yeah, they had the ball five times in the second half. Got five touchdowns. What's that great? I know you've talked about it, but it was years ago. Um, that great clip of the quarterback when Chip was coaching in the NFL, and he was like, "Oh yeah, Nick Fowles." Yeah, he's like, hey, uh, "What's the plan?" And and uh, Chip Kelly was like holding a you know like a or like a, a piece of paper, like a laminated piece of paper, like he has you know like it was a little like yeah, like it was a little visor on you know, and he kind of like <laughs> looks up from his piece of paper and looks at Foles and goes, "Score points. What's your plan?" Yeah, it was it was it was. It was even better because fucking score points. What's your point? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so, so and so they did it. Like UCLA, like went like everything went to plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, it's it's. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting choked up. Go ahead and talk for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hard. I, I've always remembered that you you brought that <laughs> to my attention when it happened. <laughs> yeah fucking score points and then we make fun of him because you know he was a terrible nfl coach but like now we find out that this half happened and it's like i bet he went to like sleep on saturday night like super content with himself like everything went to plan <clears throat> yeah what i was gonna say before my sinuses drained there was that it's it's a simple game yeah <laughs> like just make it as easy for yourself you know like if you just have like a, a crystalline idea of what you would like to accomplish and make it something that's easy to understand. You know, that's not like, well, we're going to try and, you know, uh, you know, soften him up on the edges so we can hit him with a big run up the middle in the third quarter or something like that. It's like, no, we're going to, we got the ball here. We're going to go that way until we get to the painted stuff. And then we're going to get some points. And when we get the ball, we're going to try and do that again. Fucking score points. What's your plan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. They did it. You, they finally did it. Yeah. It was just what a you know. I like how demeaning that is to Nick Foles. Too. Seven years later, it all came together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Oregon State hosting uh, Stanford. Stanford uh, last year, uh, I think we talked about this last week. They really got right in Corvallis uh, and had like a long extended road trip where they won at Oregon State and then won at Washington to kind of turn their shortened season around. Um, but you know, was not to be in this game. Uh, Oregon State uh, got the memo, you know, that like, you know, I would say fairly balanced offense from them, surprisingly so, considering what Stanford gave up on the ground the previous week. And Oregon State's been a decent little rushing team. They did run for 218 yards in this game, but uh, Chance Nolan, his best game in a minute, uh, 19 to 25, 250 yards, two scores, no picks. I mean, that's, you know, getting a first down every time he's throwing the ball. I'd like to think that Stanford just didn't cover a receiver. Like they just put yeah. that extra guy in the box. They're like, nope, ten guys in the box. We gotta have ten. <laughs> like you hear yeah. about nine guys in the box a lot, but you don't hear about ten in the box too often because usually there's at least two receivers. So, but I'm I hope that Stanford just was like, you know what, we're gonna fix something today, and <laughs> this is what we're gonna fix. Like, yeah, I think I think that's what happened because Oregon State did run twice for every time they passed uh, in the game, but Stanford was able to hold them to 4.3 yards of carry. I'd say their best showing in a while. Yeah. Because they have looked like non-competitive uh, as a run defense. But still, uh, Stanford now down to 3-7. and seven. They are not going to go to a bowl game this year. Beavs, finally, the third game in a row they should have got bowl eligible after losses to Cal and Colorado. Uh, they do get to bowl eligibility, and that's a first, I want to say, for uh, Jonathan Smith, right? Or did they do it last year? Who Couldn't knows? 
who who follows this conference? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> well, if they didn't do it last year, they didn't do it the year before. I mean, so, didn't they? Wouldn't they have like played like three or four games probably last year? So I mean, like it's it's probably not a straight like comp. Yeah, it's not. But they did go two and five last year. <laughs> but they but they did do poorly last year. Okay. So that's good. I think they let everybody into a bowl. But yeah, I mean, that's like the third, you know, I mean, uh, and the season before that, they had five wins. One, two, three. Yeah. I mean, so, heck, you know, I mean, that's a, that's an accomplishment. That's something that you like, you get there and you say, we're going to get this team back to bowl eligibility. They did the job. Yeah. So go. good for Jonathan Smith and his staff. Uh, and then we got USC and Cal did not play because nobody, uh, the assumption is that like a lot of Cal players have COVID, but they're not releasing that information. I think it's just testing and like contact tracing and the city of Berkeley has like really draconian, um, requirements, which somehow the, the team is subject to. And so they couldn't like field the team. Yeah, it's tough, man. Like, uh, it's interesting how, like, place to place they handle this thing so much differently. Because, yeah. uh, like, I've even – my uh, wife went up last weekend to go out for drinks with some friends in Bothell at the McMenamins there. And uh, there she had to, like, uh, you know, show her, like, proof of vaccination and shit to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that everywhere in Seattle. Well, they're, I'll tell you where they're not doing that, Pierce County. Yeah. Uh, you just go live your life. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we got to do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had to do that yesterday. I have my vaccine card, uh, but I haven't looked at it since I got the second shot and put it into my wallet. Okay. Yeah. So I assume, so I assume it's there, I guess yeah. I should say. I took a picture of mine. So I, I know I'd always have it. Yeah. I should like download something or something to prove that I have it, but I just, it just has never come up. Uh, people are over it. Okay. Last game of the week. Arizona State went to Washington. Uh, the Huskies, fresh off firing John Donovan, fresh off suspending Jimmy Lake for a week. Uh, they come out of the gates and look marvelous. First two drives, Dylan Morris uh, marching the team up and down the field. They get up 14-0. to zero. They take a 17-7 lead into the half. Uh, and then, I mean, really, you know, had relative control of this game into the fourth quarter. They took a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter. And then Arizona State, Blitzkrieg, 21-0 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Washington, uh, you know, if, <laughs> here's what they were talking about on the broadcast. So Washington loses a game. Uh, they kept it close. I, uh, was that, that must've been inside the number. Oh yeah. Right? Backdoor cover with that score late. We take it, baby. Uh, oh shit. Yeah. I'm just remembering that sequence now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so. Here were so Washington loses a game that they should have won, I would say, uh, just uh, based on how the first three quarters of it played out. Uh, my uh, problems. That, so first of all, Dylan Morris was a decent quarterback last year. To me, I just feel like I'm watching a guy who's uh, just lost all belief, you know, yep. uh, and that is very negatively impacting his play. Uh, the Washington coaches who are like, well, I guess I'm the head coach now. I guess I'm calling plays now. Uh, they were running this system where they gave Sam Hewitt a series in either half. Uh, the first time he got into the game, I very much disagreed with it. Um, because the because Dylan Morris was good up until that point in the game. They'd scored on their first two drives. Like, I don't care what the plan is. Yeah. 
like get the guy the guys moving the ball, let him get confident and be out there. But instead, they put Sam Hewitt in. He completes a pass, but you know, well, not, ultimately that. You're not only that, but you're you're burying the lead here too. Like we started that drive on like the four. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. not only was the hot hand. I mean, you know, Morris. You know, it's, I, I hesitate to call him the hot hand, but he was playing well. And then you're putting him in, and it's like, give him a chance, man. Like you put him on the four yard line. It's just like it just doesn't work on a number of levels. But that's it is what it is. Yeah, so what I didn't like about it is that, like, I know it is obvious they had committed to doing this prior to the game uh, and stuck with their plan, uh, but it was, you know, it would have been nice for somebody to step in there and say, hey, let's, uh, let's you know, let's at least get out to the 25 before we put him in, you know? Like, let, we'll just save him for the next drive. Just run, Dylan run the Wildcat. Going okay. Run the Wildcat a few times, and, you know. Oh, they love it. Uh, and then, so he comes in and throws some passes early. Then he came in for a series in the second half, and they just decided they were done letting him throw. Uh, but somehow he led a touchdown drive where he was, like, only handing the ball off. So my problem with that is, is, like, if we're, like, saying that the outcome of this game doesn't matter and we want to get a look at Sam Heward, then play – then let him run the offense. Alternately, if you're like putting him in there, but you don't want to let him throw because you think he's going to screw it up, then put the other quarterback in there and try and win the game. Nope. That was, <laughs> but, but that wasn't the plan, nope. I guess. So I didn't, I didn't really particularly appreciate how he was used. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he throws the ball five times. I feel like that was largely that first time he got in i mean this, that the touchdown drive he had it was just handoff after handoff this just goes back to where i just don't understand coaches and i just think that the coaching profession has jumped the shark um because it's like it's like the same thing where i have the problem with them being multiple right they want to be multiple yeah. they want to do this other stuff and then it's just like you know they probably actually were like patting themselves on the back after the game about like they got heward some reps you know they got him some yeah. reps and like to your point like they were useless like it didn't you know what i mean but but it doesn't matter the philosophy is he's got to get reps. And so yeah. they put him in for a drive where we had played nine play drive and it was nine handoffs and we scored. And it's like Sam Heward did that. And after the game, they're going to be like, yeah, we did that, you know? And, and yeah. And it's like, if you're just a little bit removed from it, you know, like, like you and I are, but still like relatively, I think, you know, pay enough attention to football to kind of get it. You can be like, well, that's pointless. You know, like you just, you didn't accomplish anything. But it's just like I don't know. In the same way coaches do dumb shit, this is another example of that. I think they just they get they get too online to use your uh, phrase for Rolovich. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I mean, it's yeah. The, then the other thing about the offense is that the announcers at the start of the game were talking about Washington has scripted these first twelve plays, and I'll be damned if those first two twelve plays didn't look crisp as shit. Yeah, you know, they should script and more then, plays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, well, I mean, where we ran into troubles when the game required more than 12 offensive plays. Or uh, just run those 12 <laughs> plays again. <laughs> like, I just imagine, like, uh, for the 13th play, like, everybody, like, looking at each other like, huh? I bet, I bet if you ran those 12 plays again, you could do that probably, I'd say, three or four times before Arizona State would get wise to it. They'd probably get wise to it on the third time. But they'd be convinced because, again, coaches, they'd be convinced that you're about to try and get multiple on them. And they'd be like, oh, oh yeah. this is going to be the one where they change it up. And it wouldn't be until, like, maybe the fourth time through that they'd be like, these are their only 12 plays, and they run them in succession. 
So like yeah, you they could, run in a specific order. Yeah, yeah. So I think you could, that would work for one game. You could get that would yeah. work for yeah. You could get deep into the third quarter, I think, before the jig is up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I think you could just yeah. do that. Uh, so good, good from the game. Uh, I would say Giles Jackson had, a, I thought a monster day returning the football. Yeah, he's good at that. Uh, yeah, he was, well, he hasn't been all year, but he was, you know, like consistently, but he was especially good against them. Uh, Arizona state, uh, belatedly came to the realization that, uh, if we just hand it off, they, we can't stop it. Uh, and that was, I mean, their last drive was just run, run, run. Um, so, you know, good for Herm Edwards and the gang for at least at the end, realizing we're just going to do the one thing that works, uh, and ride that to a victory. Yeah. I had a, I had a very interesting experience in this game that has very little to do with analyzing the game, but, um, it was a a movie night for my daughter and her friends from daycare. Um, Okay. And so, and then my wife like needed to do work because she was behind. And so we got a we got a babysitter for my son, and then we just okay. went, and we went out to dinner, um, but we went to Buckley's in uh, Belltown, right? And there was one TV in Buckley's that was playing the Husky game, and then like all the other TVs are playing a bunch of other games, right? But I so obviously I sit down by the Husky one and I'm watching it, and it's kind of off to the side, kind of in the corner, so it's it works, it's working out pretty well. And my wife is just you know doing a PowerPoint on her computer, like doing work. And uh, this group of like four guys in their 60s and their wives show up. So probably eight people. And they ask the waiter to change the TV to a game they wanted to watch. And I, you know, threw a fit about this. Um, And so they let it stay on the Husky game because that was like I was clearly there first and I was watching it or whatever. And then I watched these like so at first they were like, oh, hey, no worries. But then they realized that none of the other TVs that they could see could be changed because they're all connected to other TVs in the bar somewhere that people were watching. Yeah. So then they realized that literally the TV I was watching was their only hope. Um, yeah. And so I watched this group of four 60-something-year-old couples transform into, like, rabid Arizona State fans just to fuck with me. Um, it was okay. insane. Dude, it was, in- it was like they were – they were going above and beyond what I would describe as like socially acceptable behavior. Um, oh, I wish I was there. I'd love to yell at old people. Yeah, I was just like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not going to leave. <laughs> I'm like, this is great for me. Like, my, I'm not watching my kids. Like, I'm, like, I'm having yeah. a great time. What are you talking about? It was, it was, uh, it was quite an experience. I, uh, I, I was completely flummoxed by it. Um, That's odd, yeah. What, are they, what game do they want to watch? NC State Wake Forest. Huh? Yeah. Was that even on at the same time? Turns out those are two top 20 teams. Um, <laughs> and yes, it was on at the same time because we had a four o'clock kick and it was a late start on the East Coast. Their game was. So, yeah. Um, so, yes, it was. Um, yeah, just go somewhere else. Yeah. That was what I was, that's what I was like. There's plenty of options. Like, we're right down there on first, you know. There's, like, a lot of, like, bars that, that – you know, football games. Now, granted, Buckley has more than any of the other ones, but still, it's like, I don't know, man. It was weird. It's a weird experience. Um, yeah. So, You're in Seattle. Yeah. And then I, we had to leave in the fourth quarter anyway, so I didn't, they didn't even get the satisfaction of like watching me watch us lose that 10 point lead. Like when I left, they were, we were still winning. So, 
Um, oh, that's that's so huge. Yeah, it was it was pretty clutch timing. I mean, we had to go home anyways for the babysitter, but it was like it was a it was a well timed because I got on the way home is when it all fell apart. <laughs> yeah. Now, so on your way, did you happen to see the last play of the game? No, no, I did not. Okay, so here's what happened: is uh, Washington gets this last score at the end of the game, right? Mm-hmm. With like you know less than ten seconds to go on the clock, uh, uh, they you know go for two and fuck it up. Uh, then they do an onside kick, yeah, and they recover the goddamn thing with just one second, one tick left, yeah. right? Yeah. So they snap, they snap oh. the ball to Dylan Morris. Yeah, I remember that. I've I've, I've read enough about it. Yeah, <laughs> and he gets back there, gets some like mild pressure, and instead of just heaving that thing down towards the end zone, he's like. He uh, underthrows a covered receiver like eight yards in front of him <laughs> for an incomplete pass. When you're like, surely he knew that there was only one second left in the game. But he was like, it, it, like it, that's how you just know he's like, this is not a man who's trying to win. Mentally, like, he's, he's destroyed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's just destroyed. It's like, just even. Why was there a he's like, Well, he's like, at the guy. least I... That's what I want to know. Uh, Based on your it was like, I mean, I <laughs> it was like umbrella coverage. Okay. You know, it was zony. Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't. I mean, they. I. I. I was pretty flabbergasted, so I didn't watch a replay. I can assume that they had plenty of guys deep in the end zone. Okay. But like, but it was just like, you know, just there was just a guy floating there in the middle. Uh, our receiver ran right in front of him, and that's where Dylan Morris decided to throw the ball. Uh, and it was uh. It's just like nobody's telling him before this, just like the ball must be in the end zone. This is not, you know, because they have it on like the 50 or something, you know, after this onside kick. Like, yeah, this is doable. Why didn't you put Sam Hewitt in for that play? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. You guys want to see this guy throw the ball? Here you go. Like, <laughs> throw it downfield, Sam. Yeah, just chuck the thing in the air. For God's sakes. And it was just like, what? well, all right, perfect. Yeah, we lose. You know? We lose. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just like, just just give me that extra three seconds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When that ball's kind of hanging up there before I can clearly see it's going to like eight Sun Devil defensive backs yeah. and like none of our guys are in the area. But just let me have that time while the ball's in the air to dream. And it's instead you're like, yeah, it's just pitter, you know, you got happy feet. Very clearly panicked and threw a pass that could not have worked. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was, it was, it, if, even if completed was nowhere near the one thing that we needed out of that play. It was just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. That was uh, it for Washington, right? That was the only thing that, that they did for the weekend. And then it got better because Jen Cohen so, I'd say, in credit to her, man, uh, she shit can that guy, and they weren't screwing around with trying to do it for cause based on this sideline thing. They're like, we're just gonna pay him his salary, uh, you know, monthly or whatever. Yep. Uh, and then if he gets a new job, then we'll reduce it by however much he's getting paid at his new job. As far as I can so, tell, I mean, my interpretation of what happened is he's like still technically the coach of Washington. He's just not allowed on campus anymore, and they're just gonna go hire another one. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like that guy is a, still an employee. Like they should, they should reassign him to some other duties of some kind. You know, like have him go shag balls for the baseball team or something. Like he's he's getting paid monthly for three and a half years. The guy's still on, like, get him out there. Yeah, it's amazing. It's 
But anyway, yeah. So I would say a a terrible loss for Washington. They are now in a position where they have to win their last two games to get to bowl eligibility, uh, which you'd have to give them a very slim chance of doing, um, but not zero. Uh, But we'll talk about that in the games to come. So how'd we do on picks last week? Well, we did okay. Um, You and Tubby went two and two and Worm and I went three and one. Worm is back. Um, so now worm, well, worm's still in last at 30 and 45. He's, he's in, he's really in last two, but, um, but then you and Tubby are tied at 35 and 40 and I, I'm a one game lead at 36 and 39. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I'm threatening 500. I'm getting there. It's got to have another, another three and one week and we'll be, I'll be one game under. Awesome. All right. So we got, let's go ahead and no, talk no, about we next got, week's like, games. Six games. That was the other thing we didn't talk about. We, we totally skipped a game which is uh, WSU Oregon. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was a push. Uh, just for, for the picks standpoint, that there, there was a 14-point spread and Oregon won by 14. I don't know if you want to talk about it more than that. But. No, I mean, I, like, watched a little bit of that. I was, like, pretty bummed out after the Washington loss. And also it was uh, – oh, that was the night uh, my wife was up in uh, Seattle, you know. So by that point, I had, like, spent, like, a solid five hours being at home with my children but not paying a lick of attention to them. So, to... so I was like, oh, all right, we got we to gotta tighten up here. Yeah. Got to remind them they have a dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they've just been, you know, watching tablets and hearing me either clap, you know, just be way too loud, either positively or negatively. Yeah. I don't know what to say about this game. Yeah, I didn't get to watch too much of it other than Oregon, you know, took care of business. WSU fancied themselves in this game and they didn't. I don't know. It seems like a 14-point loss. I thought they would be way closer than that. So I'm disappointed in the in the big dicker squad. Me as well. Me as well. Um, yeah, right. so uh, first up for the next week's games, we have Arizona traveling to Pullman, where the Wildcats are 15-point underdogs. Friday night special. That number's too big. Too big. It's too big. Arizona, we've learned that Arizona's playing some football now, and they're going to lose this game. I'm confident in that. But I don't, I don't think they're going to beat them by 15. I don't think so either. Arizona's been kind of plucky. Arizona has Don, like we talked about this too, they have like Don Brown or whatever, the former Michigan D, D coordinator. Their, their defense is actually like fifth in the conference. Their defense is not the problem. Um, put it that yeah. way. It's, a, it's like above average in the conference. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna acquit themselves okay, I think. And now that they've got, you know, sort of got the offense, you know, kind of tuned in, I think, I think they can get within 15. So I'm going to take them. Sounds like you are as well. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Arizona as well. Okay. Wait a second here. We're doing rivalries already? I guess it's late November. It is. UCLA and USC. Uh, we've got USC needs the game. I don't believe they're going to get it. <laughs> they're so inept this year, man. They're so bad. I, I feel like Chip Kelly's got them. And three points... Chipper's going to cover that up. Everything just went to plan for him. He's he's on a roll. Um, I'll take USC to have a little rivalry magic in this one. All right, I like it. They can they can lose by two and still cover. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, yeah. I feel like USC will be up for it. Here's a game uh, for you. Here's a oof. the big game, as they say. Not very big. Oof. It's a tough one this year. Stanford, Cal. Stanford is at home. Cal is the one and a half point favorite. I'm gonna take the Bears here. 
Yeah, I'll take Cal also. Uh, is this one going to get played, do we think? Yeah, my, my only concern there is that exactly is that Cal, you know, only had 44 players two weeks ago and then didn't play last week. There might be a, yeah. yeah, we're going to be well rested. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I like Chase Garbers, you know, to one last time take care of business against Stanford. That'd be nice for him. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is like, t- this is going to be a tough watch. Yeah. I'll solve that by not watching it. Um, Oregon state is home to Arizona state ASU, a mere three point favorites. That seems, that seems low to me, but, uh, maybe, maybe Vegas thinks Oregon state truly did find something last week. I'm taking, I'm taking ASU on the road here. Um, I'll take Oregon State at home in this game. I, don't, I mean, I don't think Arizona State was that good. I don't think Oregon State's that good either. But I think they're, like, Oregon State's competent. I think these are two competent football teams. Uh, and so I'll take the home team and get some points. Got it. All right. That leads us to the game of the week. I believe by far and away the game of the week and probably a conference game of the year uh, preview. Yeah. yeah. You got Utah hosting Oregon as three point favorites. Oregon is Oregon is three point dogs to Utah at home, which is unusual to me since Oregon is third in the playoff race here. So you're going to well, take these. Uh, Vegas is Vegas is telling you what the CFP rankings have yet to do, which is, yeah. which is that Oregon is not the third best team in the country. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with this line. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I would bet the under. I think uh, Anthony Brown, I, I would expect to have a difficult day. I mean, he was, if if Washington could have put any heat on Oregon when they played, in the, like this guy is not going to beat them by himself. You know, Oregon and Arizona State both won just because Washington couldn't stop their run. But, uh, I yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like Utah. We'll take them in this one. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, um, yeah, I mean, Anthony Brown kind of went off on WSU by running. You know what I mean? And I think Utah will will curtail that and make him throw. Utah's got a good enough defense to say, no, you're not going to beat us with your legs. And that's always kind of like, I don't know. Like Utah – when Oregon had like a transcendent talent in Mariota, it worked to have like the running quarterback. But when they had like yeah. the – non-transcendent Texans and the uh who are the other guys um the well it worked really well with Dennis Dixon it worked with uh li- pretty well with Masoli um it worked okay but I mean it was like it was Mariota it wasn't the same it wasn't yeah. Mariota was Mariota different. was the transcendent class. guy and I and I feel like Brown is not even like he's more of a Masoli than he is a Dixon um yeah I think yeah I think if uh, if I think enough of Masoli that if he was a quarterback, then Oregon would be a more legitimate third best team in the country. Yeah, like he was a fine quarterback for what they were doing. I think I think Utah's um, gonna gonna put the kibosh on him running all over the lot and make him throw, and I think that's gonna be problematic for Oregon. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, so Oregon by eighty. Uh, so UW is gonna uh, uh, go to Colorado this weekend, and they're gonna be six and a half point favorites somehow. And you know, gotta take UW, but what? What? Why is that? Why are they six point favorites? Six and a half point favorites. Well, I can't tell you really. I mean, there's no great reason. No. Uh, Colorado has been a uh, at times extremely poor team this season, as as has Washington. I mean, this is a real battle between minnows in the conference. 
just trying to save some face. Colorado's already lost bowl eligibility for the year. Washington still technically has something to play for. Uh, you know, and then, you, you know, what? it'll be interesting to watch. You know, I felt like the effort was fine against Arizona State. Um, you wonder as we get towards the end of the season if people are going to start looking to the transfer portal because our program's in disarray and, you know, what's going on there. I think but, they'll wait until the new coach comes gets hired because I think Washington, one of the reasons that I, like you, I, I applauded Cohen moving quickly is because it gets it gets him in the game right now, right, along with others like USC, LSU, um, you know, there's there's some decent names that are out looking for coaches right now, um, but but we're already you know a week into it, and and so hopefully they'll have someone hired pretty quickly. I think I think the transfer portal probably won't blow up until that happens. The new hire gets made, and if it's a big hire, I think you can mitigate that a little bit, um, just because where are they going to go? You know what I mean, like. The conference that they chose to play their college football in is kind of a mess. Um, and, like, how many guys on UW's roster are, you know, going to transfer to, like, you know, like a – like going to get – I mean, I'm, not, I'm trying to, like, think of, like, second tier, you know, like good – like a Baylor or, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a school that's obviously not top tier SEC but still, like, good. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see it. So, I, my thought is they'll, they'll probably – the transfer portal probably won't blow up and the effort will remain good these last couple of weeks. That's my hope. At least I don't know if they're going to win, but. Uh, can I tell you what coach I'm, I'm most interested in right now? Cause that's the thing to really watch with Washington. Uh, sure. I was going to try so, and guess, but you know, well for obviously like if Bob Stoops wants to do it, then sign him up. I disagree I don't with that. Actually. I don't want to, I don't want Stoops. Okay. The one I'm one I'm interested in is uh, the Fresno State coach, Kalen. Now, what's di- Yep. What's what's difficult about him, right, is that he. Uh, well, first of all, you you would be familiar with his work because he uh, got the Fresno job after uh, just uh, reg- you know lighten it up in Indiana. Yep. At Indiana for that one year, he went in there and uh, changed their lives. Like yep. they were like a valid college football team that season. Yep. Um, then he gets the Fresno job in 2020. But here's what I like about him. And I know it's NAIA, right? But his head coaching record is 78 and 9. It's good, yeah. Yeah, I think his like last like 6 or 7 years in NAIA, he like was like 67 and 3 or something. <laughs> yeah. He's good. This yeah, this man wins. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. So that's the thing. We'll figure out you know, I mean, what's what's tough about that is that he doesn't have a lot of uh, experience uh, recruiting uh, at the Power Five level, right? He's been in it only once that one season when he was a coordinator at Indiana. Otherwise, had some offensive coordinator gigs at like Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, and Fresno State uh, uh, for a period there. So, I mean, it's some some experience recruiting, but not you know not going to be a name that like recruits know. But the man is. Uh, that you you can't deny winning like that. I I want somebody who has been a head coach and won at a sociopathic level because that's what we got with Chris Peterson and it worked out great. Uh, and I think that I that that is attractive to me. Yeah, that seventy eight and nine number that that record that's, at NAIA like very much suggests that there were probably people like on his coaching staff and in that athletic department that were like, 
dude, chill. Like, this is not that important here. And he probably was not hearing that, you know? Like, yeah. Like, Cause he's a young guy, which he's, I mean, he was like, like probably their head coach when he's like in his 20s, you know, like, or like early 30s. Um, and, and like, was probably like just like a psychopath. And everyone's like, dude, this is NAIA. Like, these aren't scholarship players. Like, what are you doing? And he didn't, he wasn't hearing it. So I agree with you. What about, um, I, what's his name? Feldman today wrote that the Washington search is likely going to start focusing on Aranda, the Baylor head coach, and Matt Campbell, the Iowa State. I, that, it seems out of left field to me, both those names. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't object to either of them, but man, that seems weird. I don't mind, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Aranda to say anything. Uh, it, it appears that, you know, he's been a head coach at Baylor for two years and he's 10 and nine. So I don't know. I mean, what, what does that mean to me? Well, he's, eight, uh, he's eight and three this year, right? Or eight and two. I think that's what it says. Yeah. It's like last year so was good. Can, and yeah. then this year is good. So what you can say about him is that like, as opposed to like DeBoer, he was, has four years banked as an SEC guy uh, and is in the Big 12 right now. So you figure you learn something about recruiting there or you're gone. So I like that over DeBoer. Uh, but uh, that's, you know, I mean, whatever. It's like, seems fine enough. Uh, I would prefer DeBoer over him just because 10 and 9, DeBoer did that also and then uh, won additional 68 games. Yeah. What about what about your losses. boy uh, Campbell? Like him, like him. I like a guy that has made a winner at a place where they don't usually win at Iowa State. You know, not consistently. Uh, they were supposed to be better than they are this year. They're kind of like middling. They're like six and four, as I recall. Yep. They lost a heartbreaker last weekend. Uh, lost a game on a uh, at the buzzer on to texas tech texas tech kicked a 62 yard walk-off field goal yeah that's tough you're probably when they're lining that up you're like all right here's what we're gonna do in overtime yeah like yeah that's a big that's a long field goal yeah i mean i just yeah. it is that i mean i've heard i mean the, i've heard the stoops thing and i just i'm a i'm deathly i'm deathly afraid of that dude because i just don't feel like stoops is going to be crazy you know what i mean like yeah college football is turning into a crazy person sport only like you have got yep. to be a psychopath and Stoops, you know, I just don't, I don't see it. He's like, he's made his money. He just spent a couple of years in the studio. He's, you know, he's chilled out. His, you know, his blood pressure is probably better than it's ever been. And just like, I see him stepping back in more as like a CEO, like Herm Edwards is trying to do it as you and being like, okay, I got this. And then he's like, and then Oregon's going to crush him on every recruiting battle they go up against. And it's just not going to go well. And I, I mean, I have that yep. same concern about Chris Peterson coming back which apparently is is in play um you know for one because he hasn't publicly come out and said it's not in play which is a big tell um but i I wouldn't i would be worried about that for him too being like i can do this again and i got all these great ideas and he gets in there in three weeks and he's like ah crap that's right i hated it um yeah and then and then you know and then he's got three more years of like playing out the string until he can like you know walk away and save face and so you know i I, I definitely like that candidate list of like, like you got like the Kalen DeBoer, you know, like the, you know, I've heard, I've heard Wilcox in there. I think that's dangerous. I hate that. Yeah. Cause that, here's what Wilcox has has a losing record at Cal and <clears throat> excuse me. I know they have their, uh, you know, 
difficulties with their athletic department doesn't have any money and they don't they have a facilities disadvantage compared to everybody else uh the the bottom line is is that there's enough there that if he were a coach worthy of the washington job he would at the very least have had a winning record yeah i mean like Uh, you can just look at tedford right like tedford kicked ass there and he's not like a dynamic personality or anything he's just a good coach and it's like Wilcox didn't hasn't even come close to approaching what Tedford did. So I don't I don't understand that. Like similar to you. Yeah, it doesn't. I I just think that would be such a bad hire. It's only because he has like experience up here, and he's still like a young guy who's for some reason held in esteem. And the other thing that's uh, fatal to me about the idea of hiring Justin Wilcox is like one of the m- main reasons that Wil that uh, Jimmy Lake lost his job is because our offense hasn't been able to do shit. Cal had a conference championship level defense for a few years there and weren't able to cash anything in substantively because they were never able to, to fix their offense. So yeah. like, why is he going to do it now? Yeah. Wilcox had a, had a horrible OC hire when he brought Bo Baldwin in, which was weird because you know, he was so good at Eastern Washington, but he brought Baldwin yeah. in and now Baldwin's like at Cal Poly and they're like one and eight. Um, yeah. And so I, he just like, he broke, bull baldwin somehow but i mean like he, yeah i'm with you like so i'm with you man DeBoer or campbell or brust <laughs> or nothing yeah i mean i've heard like people talk about jay norvell from nevada who uh, at the least over wilcox has had a winning record there yeah um but i don't know man i'm like kind of give me yeah I'm, I'm i'm in on DeBoer. i like him uh, I think there are some other names like Clausen at Wake Forest. I don't know why he'd leave, though. I do understand that his uh, team, which is like one eight or nine games this year out of nowhere, is like very upperclassman heavy. So it might be time to get while the getting's good. Yeah, uh, that's dangerous. And then what about what about then, Bronco Mendenhall out of Virginia? Man, he's got them playing all right, and he spent all those years at BYU, so he's you know at least somewhat regionally. Um, you know, familiar with the, with the recruiting grounds. What do you think about that? You know what I worry about with him? Well, you know what? I don't have a problem with him. Uh, that, you know, he's got a, it's a 500 record at Virginia. Uh, not the easiest place to win football games. I, I can't remember the last time Virginia had a good team, honestly. Yeah. They beat um, Duke. They beat Georgia tech this year. They got crunched by Notre Dame. They lost to BYU. That had to hurt for Bronco. Um, what else did they do? Yeah, I mean they're not they're not lighting it on fire. But I, that was a name that I saw kicked around where I was like, you know what? That's a that's a guy who's got some ties to the West Coast and recruited the state of Utah pretty well and would know what's going on and is like a, an established head coach. Yeah, I would. I prefer him to Wilcox, but I'd say like let's. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I think I've I've talked myself into DeBoer. DeBoer. I'm going to be furious. Well, they can get him, right? That would be a guy I would be shocked if they couldn't get that dude. Yeah, and it wouldn't, like, uh, break the bank, you know. Do you see that extension Mel Tucker signed today at Michigan State? That's incredible, dude. It's his first year coaching with a winning record. Yeah, 10 years, $95 million. Incredible. That's a, that's a, a school that cares. What about... What about Tom Izzo tonight coaching a game against uh, some directional school? I forget who they played, but but like you know they won, and um, 
and has to go home tonight and be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> he's like iconic in his sport and has a national one of the, title. One of the greatest coaches of all time. And, and this dude shows up, has puts together one good, hasn't even finished his first good season. And, and they just signed him up for a hundred million dollars. I mean, what if you're Tom Izzo, dude, you gotta be like, wait, what? He only makes, he doesn't make, he makes $3.92 million a year, Tom Izzo. Yeah, that's not acceptable, this, dude. Like <laughs> This guy is d- doubling him up. I have, this is no, no bullshit, I have an alert, an annual alert on my phone for like the second week of March every year that just says Izzo to remind me when I'm filling out brackets to take Michigan State farther than I want to. Yeah, because Izzo. Yeah. The guy's driving home tonight after they beat, yeah, I forget who I was, I was watching it earlier when we were making dinner and to some team, but uh, the guy's gonna be like, "Wait, what? I won a national title! Like, yeah. I won it. Maybe, maybe two, or played in a second one at least." Yeah, multiple Final Fours. There was a period there where that was for a long period of time, a shockingly long period of time, where if you went to Michigan State and stayed four years, you went to a Final Four. And this stretch for like, you know, twenty years over a decade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something crazy. Like, if you just hang out, you're going to get to go to a Final Four. Uh, yeah, so that's – but, you know, basketball is a bullshit sport, and, uh, you know, that's your lesson there. You're coaching the wrong sport. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's that's what I take from that. Okay, so uh, anything else this week? No. I'm excited. I feel to, that's I'm pretty ex- solid. I'm excited to watch this horrible uh, – UW uh, Colorado game. It's a real, it's a real lightweight battle, and it's gonna be fun. What's the weather looking like this weekend? Oh, mid fifties. Scan that like, yet? Yeah, low fifties. It's getting sunny. It's gonna be nice. Nice. That does sound nice. You gonna you bringing your sticks at all? No, no, not this one. Sticks are staying home. I'm just gonna enjoy not parenting for seventy two consecutive hours. Oh, it'll be the best. It's going to be the best. What? Nothing better, dude. Yeah. Then, yeah, we've talked many times. The best part is just getting to the airport and not having to like take people to the bathroom every two seconds. Yeah, not having to do anything that I don't want to. Yeah, do. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna sit here. Yeah, I'm just gonna read yeah. on my Kindle, like, and then I'll get on the plane when it's time to do that. You know, like. Yep. It's gonna be great. Then, I, then I'm gonna have a nice long sit on the plane. Yeah, I'm gonna love the plane. I'm gonna be. That's gonna be great. <laughs> like. I love I love a kidless plane ride. Yeah. Grand old time. Alrighty. Uh that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.